Hello, welcome to this latest podcast from Herbert Smith Freehills Pensions Team. My name is Tim Smith, a professional support lawyer in the pensions team at HSF, and I'm joined today by Samantha Brown, head of our UK pensions practice, and Antonia Pegden, a senior associate in our pensions disputes team. Sam and Antonia led the team advising the banks in the Lloyds GMP equalisation litigation. And today they join me to consider the outcome in the second Lloyds judgment and what it means for DB schemes. So Antonia, if I can come to you first, could you just summarise what the judge has said and what the outcome is in the second Lloyds hearing? Sure. Well, I'll just recap on the um, questions that were put to the court by the parties. The main question was whether the trustee of the Lloyd scheme has an obligation to equalise benefits for the unequal effect of GMPs in relation to historic transfers out. And if that obligation does exist, does it apply to transfers out that have been made to occupational DB and DC schemes, to overseas pension schemes and to personal pension schemes? Um, Is that obligation discharged by way of um, a top-up payment to the member or through a residual benefit in the transferring scheme? Is there any defence to the obligation by way of statutory discharge through the scheme's rules or through any express discharges entered into by the transferring members? And do any statutory limitation periods or forfeiture provisions apply? So what were the findings? Well, the judge found that the trustee owes a duty to members that have historically transferred out to make transfer payments that were correctly calculated and which reflected the member's right to equalised benefits. And where the transfer didn't reflect the right to equalised benefits, the trustee is under an obligation to make a top-up payment to the receiving scheme on behalf of the transferred member. That obligation arises regardless of whether the payment was made to a DB or a DC occupational scheme, to a personal pension scheme or to an overseas scheme. Um, The existence um, of any equalisation obligation on the trustees of a receiving scheme, which we know exists from the first Lloyd's judgment, doesn't alter the obligation on the trustee of the transferring scheme. They they would be concurrent obligations. And it was also found that the trustee's obligations weren't limited or otherwise discharged by the discharge provisions in the cash equivalent transfer legislation, the discharge forms signed by the transferring Lloyds members, um, the scheme's forfeiture provisions, or uh, by the Limitation Act uh, 1980. So, Sam, what does this mean for DB schemes generally, uh, many of which will already be partway through their GMP equalisation projects following the first lawyer's judgment? Indeed, and I'm sure for many trustees this will have been unwelcome news. Um, I think the first point is there's no reason why the outcome of this judgment should cause them to stop the existing uh, projects that they have underway and indeed... um, there is good reason for them to continue with those, um, not least because they have the membership data or or should be in the process of gathering the membership data that they need to complete those existing projects. And this uh, project or exercise in relation to historic transfer values should be possible to uh, run in parallel or in the background subject to 
um, resource availability, of course. In terms of getting this project off the ground, though, I would suggest that the first thing that trustees do is check their own forfeiture rules in their pension schemes. Um, as uh, Antonia has said, in the Lloyd's judgment, the judge held that the forfeiture rules in the Lloyd's bank schemes didn't allow for uh, uh, underpaid uh, transfers to be, or for the top up amount to be forfeited. But it is possible that some schemes may have rules which do permit that. So I would, as a starting point, uh, be getting advice on that. But assuming that they do have to um, revisit these transfers, as, as most will, um, this will be, regrettably, another exercise of deep digging into data and trying to ascertain what data they have and where they have data gaps. And the data will relate not just to members and the amount of transfer payments that have been made, but they will also need to try and identify the relevant actuarial bases that were used for calculating historic transfer payments, because the judge's uh, view, as expressed in this judgment, is that the top-up payment should be calculated uh, as at the date of the original transfer uh, or transfer calculation and using that historic basis. So there's quite a bit of um, scheme sort of archaeology and digging to be doing. Uh, and as I say, no reason why that shouldn't be run in parallel with their existing process. And when you talk about transfers, are we talking about all transfers or, or particular type of transfer? Well, in this particular case, the judge held that it was transfers made under the cash equivalent transfer value legislation, which needed to be revisited. Uh, of course, schemes may also have made transfer payments under their scheme rules, uh, both on an individual basis, but also on a bulk transfer basis. And uh, in that case, or in this case, I should say, uh, the judge held that transfers made under the the individual scheme rules, which were not CETV transfers, uh, in in this case didn't have to be revisited. But that's not to say that they may not have to be revisited for other schemes. But he also held that on the narrow question that he was asked about bulk transfers, which had been carried out on a what we might call a like-for-like -like basis, he also held that those transfers didn't need to be revisited. So in the first instance, uh, I would recommend that trustees are looking at their CETV transfers. Okay, thanks. And Antonia, most trustees, I think, would have thought that they would benefit from some kind of discharge where, where a member takes a transfer, some kind of statutory discharge, or members would, would ordinarily be asked to sign some kind of discharge form. Uh, so why why is it that they do need to revisit and correct historic transfers? Well, in, in short, because the it was found that the trustee can't rely on the statutory discharge under Section 99 of the Pension Schemes Act 93 um, because it, it, it wasn't effective. And that's because by failing to pay the full cash equivalent to the receiving scheme, the trustee hasn't done what the transferring member required, which is um, spe specified in the, in the cash equivalent legislation. And just to break that down a bit more, the judge held that what the transferring member requires under the legislation is that the trustee uses the cash equivalent to which he's acquired a right in the way specified by him. And he held that the requirement of the member is not res restricted to the, sp the specification of the type of the recipient of the cash equivalent, i.e. where the cash equivalent is going, but it includes that the trustee uses the cash equivalent to which the member is entitled. 
And if the trustees paid a lower figure than the cash equivalent to which the member is entitled, it hasn't done what the member requires, and therefore the discharge isn't isn't triggered. Secondly, um, the court considered some sample express discharges entered into with individuals and on the construction of those wordings, it held that they were not effective. But of course, that might change. Um, they'd have to be considered on a case by case basis. And, and Sam, this judgment focused on the obligations on transferring schemes. But what about receiving schemes? What do they need to do? Well, receiving schemes were looked at um, briefly in the Lloyd's one judgment um, where the parties acknowledged that a receiving DB scheme is already under an obligation to equalise transfers in uh, following the judgment in Colorol. So uh, in terms of actually applying equalisation to a transferred in members benefits, um, we already have that guidance for DB schemes and that wasn't looked at again in the context of this case. However, uh, for the trustees of those schemes, of course, this is now an opportunity for them to receive a top up payment to fund those equalised benefits that they are already uh, liable to provide. And so I think if I was advising the trustees of, of a DB scheme that had accepted unequal transfer payments, uh, I might be starting an exercise to uh, look at the effort uh, and administrative burden that they will need to go through in order to claim any such top-up payments. Because, of course, they need to think about the fact that for their existing members, um, it is arguably in those members' best interest to get in that additional money. But, of course, we're always in the situation when we talk about GMPs about where, where there's a challenge about you know robbing Peter to pay Paul. And so I think there will be a question for them as to um, what the administrative cost and burden will be of uh, of seeking those uh, those top ups, but separately there is also a question I think around member communications. Um, I think if you were a member of a DB scheme and you saw this judgment and you'd, you'd taken a historic transfer payment into another DB scheme, you may well be thinking that you were about to get some kind of windfall from this. Whereas of course because you already have an entitlement to have your transferred in benefits equalised, actually all this judgment is doing is really um, sort of allocating responsibility for the payment of that top up. And I think there's perhaps a question for the trustees of DB schemes who've received transfer payments uh, about whether they want to communicate with members so as to be on the front foot about the fact that members are not likely to get a windfall just on the back of this, uh, this particular judgment. Yeah, and obviously this judgment specifically related to errors in relation to um, GMP equalisation, but could it have wider implications where other errors have occurred in, in relation to the calculation of transfer payments? Absolutely, Tim. I mean, casting back to what Antonia said uh, when she was explaining how the judge had reached his decision, his view was very much that when the trustees had calculated the member CETV, which is intended to um, reflect the value of all of the members accrued rights in the scheme by overlooking the equalisation top up that the member was entitled to or the equalisation uplift the trustee hadn't done what was required under the statute and the same would apply I think for any other type of benefit uh, where the trustee has overlooked the entitlement of a benefit in calculating a CETV so for example what we might call barber equalisation or 
you know, if a scheme has had a failed amendment and members are entitled to higher benefits than the trustees thought they were, then I think the analysis that Mr Justice Morgan went through in this case would apply equally to those kind of errors, um, putting, you know, yet more onus on trustees potentially to revisit historic transfer payments um, when they're doing exercises to tidy up any of, the, any of those types of, of issue. Great. Well, thank you, Sam and Antonia. You've brought some uh, clarity to what can be quite a confusing uh, subject. And uh, hopefully for those listening, that's been helpful.